Every wolf's howl since the beginning of the species has been part of the same ancient sentence in a language that takes generations to speak. Humans can't understand the words because they aren't for us. Welcome to the Crypto Naturalist. friends. As ever, it's so nice to be chatting with you. It's roughly 5.08 a.m. as I record these words. I just spent a fruitful time overnighting in a library in Muskingum County, part of the Appalachian region of Ohio. What a pleasure it is to spend time in a library surrounded by thousands of books, windows into other minds, some of the writers are living, some are not. Neatly ordered rectangles of concentrated human life and intellect. A book is certainly a kind of ghost, and libraries are pleasantly haunted places. Add to that the physical nature of books and paper. Wood pulp from trees all over the world. Cellular memories of soil and sky and a thousand wild places pressed into the pages. The faint scents of mildew and the lemon tang of industrial cleaning products. Why, when you combine all those elements and then add in the shadowed sense of solitude that fills every well-trafficked public space after closing time, and you've created a habitat that is undeniably strange and wild. Just the sort of place I like to visit. Today we're talking about that silent prowler of midnight libraries, the book fox. Also, sometimes known as the ink hound, text fox, or Gutenberg's fox. You know, typically a group of foxes is referred to as a skulk, a leash, a troop, or an earth. But I suppose you could call a group of book foxes a shelf, or even a library. Of course, they are deeply solitary animals, so there's little call for the collective noun. I managed to observe a book fox in its natural habitat this past evening, and I must say they are just as inspirational and intriguing as the libraries they call home. Miracles within miracles, magic within magic. Speaking of inspiration, how about a little poetry? It's time for today's Hidden Lore segment. Today's Hidden Lore is a poem by Lucille Valentine. Coyote Sisters It is not quiet now, but I do not fear. The echo of coyote voices following me home, parodying my own, rough from disuse. The flash of their eyes and the light of itinerant headlights is too much like my own, moon and mirror, predator and panicked pulse, resting on the same haunches. How these violent things mimic my movements, replicate the tension in my own shoulders, 
and the clench of my jaw. These tales I tell of rolling up pant legs to wade through water, stories of overflowing lakes and girls who stepped around, never noticing how quickly we've had to learn to adapt. Their ears perk up at the mention of trudging through syrup-thick desert heat and swimming through oceans of burning asphalt to settle in untamed warrens out of reach of personhood's grasping fingers. In my next life, I am a full belly, alchemized into a larger unself, a huddle of bodies, a nest of bristling fur, a wreath of slack muscles and lowered hackles. Oh, how we share the heft of this world. You could do worse than to learn the lessons of the trickster sisters, of feral joy, shrieking, fierce enough to crack the sky, of teeth sharp enough to break bone. This poem is just so very alive, so full of a paradoxical mix of hope and brutality, predator and prey, narrative and identity, the lessons of feral joy. It would be difficult for me to choose a favorite line here, but oh how we share the heft of this world really resonates with me. Yes, indeed. Lucille Valentine is a desert rat masquerading as a voice actor, poet, visual artist, and LGBTQ plus community advocate whose work often includes themes of poverty, womanhood, queer and trans experience, along with whatever her current existential crisis is. You can hear her in the podcast's The Six Disappearances of Ella McCray, the upcoming second season of Unplaced, among a number of other upcoming shows, or by pressing your ear up against a cactus skeleton on a windy night. You can find her disappointing every grammar elitist over on Twitter, at SevereLyTrans. I found a lovely, dark alcove furnished with a comfortable chair next to a shelf full of graphic novels. In terms of places I've waited for an encounter with crypto nature, well, it's safe to say this was one of the more comfortable. Here's a general tip for naturalists and crypto-naturalists alike. When you're settling in to observe nature, I like to allow a good 15 minutes of pure, contemplative silence to settle in before I expect to see much of anything. It takes at least that long for the memory of our clumsy steps and basic human ruckus to fade from the mind of the habitat you plan to observe. Humans are fascinating, but disruptive animals. In this particular instance of waiting, I plucked an Aquaman trade paperback from the shelf and read a bit. I must say, I love comics, graphic novels, and sequential art of all types. It was near pitch dark in the library, but, well, my night vision is uncommonly good. I enjoyed what I read, but, if you'll forgive a brief observation, fiction often imagines the ability to speak with fish or birds or trees as a superpower 
a way to gain an army of powerful allies. But that's not how it works. Trust me. If you open up a direct line of communication with organisms millions of years older than your entire species, well, you work for them now, and you're grateful for the opportunity to do it. But I'm getting off track here. The book fox, like most foxes, establishes a home range around its den, though it's noteworthy to point out that no other fox has a home range quite so small as a single library. Book foxes have uncommon habits in general when compared to other foxes. Heck, I'm frankly excited to tell you I don't even know what book foxes eat. As far as I know, nobody knows. And that ignorance is as beautiful a chance for growth as any autumn acorn waiting patiently for next spring's rain. I have a suspicion that their diet is rather less tangible than other foxes, but my suspicion remains unconfirmed at the time of this recording. I may not know what they eat, but I do know this. In a library, we have approximated many aspects of a forest. The wood of the books, the shade, that quiet sense of concealed mystery and meaning the hidden life and furtive stories waiting on each shelf, the feel of a place that coaxes us toward exploration. Forests and libraries are not-so-distant cousins, so it hardly seems surprising to find foxes in amongst the books. I pondered my ponderings as I sat there in the dark in my comfy chair, and I may have rested my eyes a bit, too. Okay, I fell asleep. Libraries are home away from home for me, and I may have gotten a little too comfortable. I awoke to a tickle on my nose, a snuffling, sniffing sound, and then a cold, wet touch on my cheek. I opened my eyes to find a book fox standing on the arm of my chair, studying my face. Its coat was a gradient of grays on grays, pencil lead to cigar ash, with a faint pinstriping that, in the dim light, looked a bit like lines of text. Its eyes were inky pools, with a bright spark of curiosity. It placed a dark paw on my chest and tilted its head a bit, studying my face, sniffing my beard and twitching its oversized ears in every direction. After a wonderful, endless moment of eye-to-eye connection, it swung its head around to the right. The sound must have caught its attention, a sound I certainly couldn't hear, but it hopped down from my chair and darted off between the shadowy shelves on silent paws. I was left sitting there, feeling the phantom pressure of its paw still on my chest and smelling a sweet, dusty smell like old books that have been resting in a warm attic. I rubbed the sleep from my eyes, saw that dawn wasn't far off, and headed back to my Winnebago. I passed through one of Cassandra's halls of mirrors on my way to the recording studio, 
and saw that there were a few ink smudges on my face where the fox's nose had touched me. Upon closer inspections, I could see fragments of letters in the smudges, as if I had dozed off on a freshly printed newspaper. Transmission alert. Transmission alert. Ah, thanks for letting me know. Sounds like we have a new field report. Let's go ahead and take a listen. This is Judd Van Dorn reporting out of the treetops. Cryptonaturalist frequency 11, 58, 1. It's me again, the emissary of the squirrels, remember? I'm here to tell you that you goofed up, big time. Last time I transmitted, I told you, start ignoring the squirrels. Did you do it? No, Groundwalker, you didn't do it! You know, it was for your own good. Believe it or not, the Squirrel Queen has your best interests at heart. But I guess that ship has sailed. <sighs> Look, I can't blame you. Squirrels are hard to ignore. Their grace, their obvious nobility, their fluffy tails like sunsets made of fur. I get it, but you need to understand, squirrels are fighting battles that you can't comprehend. They're protecting you. They're protecting this whole world from threats that defy human speech. The squirrels see angles that you don't see. To you, a road is a road. And to a squirrel, roads are, well, roads are roads too, sure, but also trees are roads, and, and branches are roads, and the empty air between the branches are roads. Their minds go in more directions than ours, so, so they learn secrets that we don't learn. They see enemies that we don't see. They stare down the in-between things that you can't imagine. Don't even try to imagine them. The, the, the least you can do is, is, is pitch into the cause. Every Wednesday, we ask that you leave one standard metric tube sock full of, of peanut butter or walnuts or, or squirrel-sized swords and axes out in a tree of your choosing. Don't worry, we'll find it and we'll put it to good use. Some of the Queen's advisors were worried that this would look like protection money, but it's not. It's, it's your civic duty. That's what it is. As the Squirrel Queen always says, This is Jed Van Dorn, signing off for now. Well, I'll be. That sounds like a reasonable request for a worthy cause. I better go and get my tube sock ready now before I forget. It'll give me something to work on before the library opens, and I can check out that Aquaman comic I was browsing. Until next time, we're all strange animals. So, act like it. A special thanks to my friend Saker for playing the voice of Jed Van Dorn. Saker is a co-host on It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. It's a comedy podcast in which two pals take a journey through B&L's entire discography, a song at a time. You can find it on your favorite podcast catcher. Saker also has a nerd hip-hop group called 2D6, online at 2d6music.com. 
You can support the production of this show and find bonus content and exclusive episodes by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash crypto naturalist or by visiting the Merck and support sections on CryptoNaturalist.com for t-shirts, stickers, and more. You'll find information about submitting your poetry or prose for our hidden lore segments in the About sections of our website. The Crypto Naturalist is written and read by Jared K. Anderson. Stay curious, stay wild, stay weird. <laughs>